Welcome to the Balanced Self Podcast. This podcast is a part of MSB Coach and hosted by the president and CEO of MSB Coach, Michelle Braden, and Coach Ariel Brutter. With this podcast, we intend to connect with a variety of leaders and individuals as we explore creating a balanced life and identifying one's unique center, both personally and professionally. Thank you for joining us today as we learn and grow together. Thank you so much for joining Michelle and I on the Balanced Self podcast. Will you just take a moment to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Thank you for having me, Ariel. Um, as you know, my name is Talia Fox. I'm the CEO of KUSI Global, K-U-S-I Global, and we are a culture transformation organization. And what that means is that we go into businesses and into people's minds, and we think about how you can transform in order to be more effective, more efficient, to thrive and be successful. Um, that's a little bit about what I do. I have an ulterior motive in all in everything that I do, and that is I believe that if we focus on joy and bliss and being really happy, that all the rest will follow. And so uh, I let all of my clients know that if you're not interested in happy people, I'm not interested in working with you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel like that is just so in line with us at MSB Coach and especially this podcast about balanced self. Like, you know, we focus on working with executive leaders, but, you know, we focus on working with the person as a whole. So we're trying to find that balance and stuff. What do you think, Michelle? Well, and I, I like to tell you, I so agree with the, you know, just the positive mindset um, and how we can shift our narrative, shift our perspectives just on how we think and how that impacts all aspects of our life, you know, and centering around, of course, we're focusing on leaders and wellness and wholeness, but yes, yeah, so I'm definitely interested in learning to hear what you have to say about this. Awesome. And so I can't believe that right now it is March, 2021. So it has been like a year since <laughs> the pandemic really started and hit us and everything kind of shifted. Um, so tell you, like, Tell us a little bit about um, what have you seen as the biggest learning lessons for leaders this past year? Isn't it wonderful when we, it's not, the challenges aren't wonderful, but it's wonderful to have the opportunity to learn and grow and to really test what you know, right? As you have something as big as the pandemic. So for leaders, what I have seen as the biggest challenge is this one skill. And that is, what do you do when you don't know what to do? There's no playbook, there's no instructions, now what? And so leaders have had to be agile. Those leaders that are very stuck in their ways, very slow to pivot, have really struggled during this time. Those leaders that embrace change, that have driven change in their organizations in the past, have really thrived during this time because they have already prepared themselves for change and for things evolving. So very, very critical. Yeah, I feel like this has definitely um, kind of been, I mean, it's been a huge learning opportunity for everybody, but I do feel like if you aren't open to the change, like you did not really survive this past year because you had to be open to the change and making pivots and just all around your uh, business model and how you, you know, approach your working with your team. Michelle, what are your thoughts? Well, Talia, you said something that I just would love to hear you elaborate a little bit more on. And you said, test what you know. Um, you know, my mind goes to all kinds of things I think of with that, but I would like to hear, what do you think of? What, is that, what does that mean to you? And what should that mean to us as leaders? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to to elaborate on that. I had a conversation with, well, I've been having conversations for two decades with leaders, and, and I had one leader that shared with me, I, I don't like doing virtual events, and I want everything to be live. Um, some leaders have been resistant to even technology, right, depending on on what they're, they're doing. And so, um, they have all of this knowledge and they have this experience that a lot of people, particularly those that have been in the game for a long time, they're very attached to and they feel very comforted by what they know. And so when you are kind of catapulted into this experience of nobody really knows what to do, um, you have to start to test those assumptions. Some of your wisdom and some of your experiences from the past are going to serve you well. Um, maybe there's some things about business that you know, maybe there's some things about people that are really going to, to support and drive some of your decisions for today. But then there are things where the way you used to do it, the way things have always been done, it's not an option anymore and it's just not going to support you. And so there's a test going on where you have to test and test those assumptions about where you wanna go next and how you're going to thrive in the moment and also prepare for more change. And kind of like going off of that, I mean, how for the leaders who weren't as ready to embrace this change and now they're kind of like testing what they knew, like how, what have you seen has helped them kind of make this shift to be ready to embrace this change and move forward? Well, I will tell you one thing that's helpful, and I think we all have experienced this in our personal lives, is being forced. <laughs> um, you know, we kind of piddle around with the option. You know, this this happens to people with healthcare, right? It's like it, at some point, it's a nice to have to eat healthfully, but then something happens and you get a diagnosis from the doctor, and now it's a life or death. You have to make this new choice, and so um, sometimes that can be a blessing in disguise, which everyone was forced to manage change and to see um, how they're able to kind of move through it. So I think that that has been helpful. Um, the other piece is for leaders that are managing leaders, right? Um, and managing employees is this acceptance of the phases of change, this change process. So those of you that don't know about this, we're, we're, there's typically resistance and then there's denial. And then we move into this phase of, okay, this might be okay. I think I can survive. Um, and then you start to enter into this beautiful opportunity for what are the possibilities? Maybe there are some things that I've learned here that can make our experience in this organization even better. Right. So also kind of having some empathy and patience for this journey of change and how it's so difficult and different for so many different people. You're so right. There is some things that when we're just forced to do them, um, it's amazing what we can adapt to. You know, you think about being a read and the opportunity to bend and flex or does it break us um, and learning and stretching and growing our resilience in forced situations. I know for me over this last year, I don't want to think I'm a control freak, but I probably am a little bit more than I would want to be. And just recognizing and just finally acquiescing to there are just some things I don't care how smart I am, how hard I work, how clever or strategic I try to be. There are certain things that are just completely out of my control. Um, and I've had that, obviously, all of us have before in the past, but never so many things at once <laughs> as, as what has happened in this past year. And I think it expands our base of empathy. It expands our base of humanness and connection, um, which ultimately then makes us 
hopefully better people. Um, and then even, you know, better leaders. Yeah. And I love how you talk about, you know, really testing your control and, you know, being in control. Cause I think everybody, whether they realized it or not, it was just like everything changed and they couldn't control what was going on, but they had to be flexible and work with, you know, what they could and stuff. So I think everybody was kind of like, realize that they really don't have as much control as they think that they do. <laughs> and I have to join you on that. I, my theme song used to be the Janet Jackson song, Control. <laughs> and uh, COVID and motherhood, both, I had to drop my, my controlling ways. And so, um, but it's, it's tough because it can serve you in certain areas, but then when in other areas, it just does not. Yeah. Isn't that true? It's like an overused strength in some ways, you know, they're, they're, you know, goes so well for us until it doesn't, <laughs> you know, I think about music, you know, soft music in the background is fantastic when we're having dinner, but if we want to go to a club and, you know, really bump around, then that soft music isn't as inviting and vice versa. And so it can be that way with our strengths, learning how to turn them up or turn them down. And sometimes in the wrong place, we want to crank them up even more. You know, I, I saw myself trying to turn up the fire of control and realizing even more, oh, this isn't working. And in fact, if anything, it's annoying, like the loud music at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that example. And Michelle, you brought up um, like empathy and connection. And so I just kind of want to talk about like leading a team in this virtual workplace. Um, it's, it's very different to have meetings over Zoom and calls and stuff like that. So what are some challenges that you guys have seen for people leading a team right now? Lots of challenges, Ariel. <laughs> um, but where there are challenges, there are opportunities for growth. So I, I think one of the major challenges is, is, of course, and we know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but work-life balance is a big challenge for people. Um, from the team perspective, collaboration, but also managing expectations is a big challenge. Um, and if we really want to get in the weeds, there's also just generally how do you run effective meetings, <laughs> right? So you have this space where you're having constant and virtual meetings and I have been able to kind of be a fly on the wall with certain leaders and I will say there's some very interesting things that people are doing um, that aren't as effective as they could be and so um, you know and I'll share some very specific solutions to some of these challenges in just a moment but that, that's a baseline where what I have seen is some of the major big buckets of, of issues happening as we go virtual and as we continue to be virtual. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious um, for you to kind of go into that now, Talia, if you don't mind, of kind of what have you seen that's not working? Because I'm sure there are people thinking that it is, and it's really not. Yes. So working together live, there is an actual shift and a deliberateness to changing to fully being virtual. And what I think a lot of leaders don't realize is that you need a plan in a virtual meeting. And when I say a plan is how are you going to, how are you going to deal with the connection and, and making sure that everybody is engaged, which means, you know, maybe you call people by name, maybe you have a five minute check-in with some very clear questions in the very beginning of the meeting. When you're speaking, what is your pace? and tone? How are you going to check for understanding? Um, at the end of the meeting, there should be maybe a lot of re repetitive, you know, repeat. Can people tell me where we're going next? And so when you're live, you get to pick up on verbal cues. Someone can pop in your office later to get clarity. Virtually, if this is our only time meeting, it requires a plan. I think a lot of people, they're willy-nilly. So there's a lot of awkward, silly moments. People are saying, um, okay, does anybody else have anything else uh what about this and 
it's where's the structure, where's the plan, where's the goal? Um, and one of the goals may be, do we need to have this particular meeting? And if we do, what are we going to use this space for? Is it effective, right? So mm -hmm. um, no more willy nilly with this virtual meeting, have a goal and have a plan and have a structure. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it sounds like it needs to be very intentional and for a purpose. Like I've, I've seen so many just like memes and stuff of, uh, you know, like this could have been an email, like it didn't need to be a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Absolutely, Ariel. I know in one of our, I think it was our, maybe our very first podcast that we did this year, we talked about that word intentional being mm -hmm. such a valuable word for 2020. And we have had to be intentional. We've had to be intentional in so many of the ways that Talia is talking about, about being strategic. There are, you know, I am working with leaders that are just constantly talking about all day long is full of meetings and then all evening is full of trying to check emails. And part of it is because we're not seeing each other. And so we're not realizing, you know, and people, uh, you know, are overlapping meetings and double and triple booking meetings. Um, and people are feeling like they have no boundaries and they have no control. And that's why I know, Errol, you're going to refer to our, you know, the survey that we have been conducting and what people are saying are their top stressors. But the top two, I don't mean to jump the gun on you, but it fits in here. The top two is work-life balance and stress management. Um, and, you know, one of the things we're seeing is now more than ever, people feel like they're, they're just not stopping working when they're working from home, because it's easy to jump on the computer when you're sipping your coffee and eating your cereal or your bagel, you know, it's six in the morning. And then before you know it, it's nine o'clock at night and you're still doing the same thing. And, you know, the boundaries with people working in all different kinds of time zones and meetings are happening at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. I've got some clients in Singapore that they work a lot with people here in the U S and they're staying up till two in the morning. And it's just, these kind of things when they have to happen occasionally are okay, but they are not sustainable for any sort of well-being. And we certainly cannot perform at our best. And so I, you know, I think in some ways this is a call and a shout out that companies and organizational leaders at the C-suite level, what are we doing um, and what changes need to be made? And then also for people to have a voice and to step up, because I can't tell you how many mid to even senior level leaders that aren't at that C-suite level that I'm saying, so you're telling me this, who is making these decisions? Who is scheduling these meetings? What have you said? And I can't tell you how much of just, well, this is just how it is. Well, if nobody has a voice and nobody speaks up, uh, then it is just how it is because it's assumed that it's working and that it's okay. So anyway, I just took the floor for a long time and I think I might've gotten on a soapbox unintentionally. <laughs> but, so I'll pass it back to you, Ariel. Well, I think a lot of people can really relate to that. And uh, I, I think we should kind of get into it. You brought you brought up the survey and Talia, you brought up work-life ba work balance. And yeah, so we did a survey and we've had over 200 responses from full-time working adults and um, about what the their top five challenges are. And over or almost 50% said work-life balance was one of their top uh, challenges right now. And then that was closely followed by stress management, human connection, communication, and time management. And Talia, you brought up work-life balance earlier. Like, tell me a little bit more about that and like what you kind of think of those survey results. Well, they're not surprising. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think what was shared about 
having stressful things happen occasionally is okay, but when it's all the time. Um, one of the things I just want to bring up really quickly before I address work-life balance and, and the survey results specifically is, you know, what's, what's also happening as a challenge is people don't have transition time between meetings. So it was a time if you had to drive to a meeting or even walk down a hall, you would at least have to have 15 minutes. You have to use the restroom. You have to eat, you know. Um, I personally have had to have conversations with my team. Um, I was talking to my, my executive assistant the other day, and I said, have you ever, did you think about the fact that I have to eat? I'm a human being. <laughs> um, you know, there are just a lot of things. Like, I, we do a lot of keynote speaking events, and I would never do three keynotes in a day. So we've had to adjust some things because I was getting exhausted. Um, so with this theme in mind of physician heal, heal thyself, I work with a ton of leaders and a ton of organizations, but I am right along with everybody else as a leader in COVID. So I'm going to share a few things that I've done around work-life balance, a couple things. Um, the first thing that I have done in terms of work-life balance is set some boundaries with my family. So before I have important meetings, I actually... I actually put a note on the door that gives my family an idea of when these meetings are happening. So I have a schedule on the door. I have a, a you know, a space where, where I have my office, but in between that schedule, if they need to ask a question or connect, so for those that have children, being able to communicate effectively, I even sometimes might say in the house, I'll yell quiet on the set. We have a meeting happening in 10 minutes so that there's not interruptions. Um, I do put a note on the door so Amazon doesn't knock during important meetings. And the reason I'm bringing this up for work-life balance is because um, I don't know how many of you have read about the, the switching of the brain and how exhausting that is. So it's not just being in a meeting, but if you're in meetings all day, but you're also distracted and even smaller distractions actually drain your energy. So if you can be present and there, those of you that are on your phone, checking email during meetings, you are literally setting yourself up for extreme exhaustion at the end of the day. So it's very important to focus on what you're doing when you're doing it. Now, it's also good to focus on what you're not doing <laughs> when you're not doing it, which means that when work is over, so what I do is at 5.30, not everyone can do this, but I have set this stage at 5.30, I turn down the computer completely and I actually handwrite what I have to do for the next day. And I have, unless it's an emergency, I am shut down until the next day. The great news about this is that I find because I don't have the transition time, I'm able to get more in in a day than I would if I had to transition from meeting to meeting. So I really capitalize on the time that I'm working, but I also capitalize on the time that I'm resting. Yeah, I I think those are like very simple, doable steps. And I, I actually really like, and it kind of caught me off guard, to be honest, when you said you set boundaries with your family at first, because I think a lot of times when you think work-life balance and, you know, I think of uh, boundaries, I kind of think about like setting boundaries at work and like not letting it spill over to your family time. But I think having that open communication with your family and like letting them know like when specific meetings are happening and stuff so like they don't interrupt you or they know not to be too loud. I think that's, um, I don't know. I, I just, I never really thought about it like that, but so I really liked that. <laughs> well, and this is unique for COVID because it's balanced both ways. If you're spending too much time with your family or they're distracting you, you're not getting your work done, you're going to be stressed. And if you're mm -hmm. doing too much work and never attending to your health and, and other parts of your life, you're going to be stressed. So balance is our, it's both sides, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, um, I like asking people, what does balance like mean to you? <laughs> What does it mean to you, Talia? So balance to me 
means that I feel a sense of, of peace of mind and I can handle things. And so it's very personal to everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's being structured enough to say, with my integrity, have I given sufficient value to my work and what I'm wanting to accomplish to justify even either my compensation or whatever I'm doing? So have I, have I really given my all? Um, and can I say that? With my family, have I given my best to them, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just for the 24 hours. Have I given my best to them? If for work you say, no, I feel like I'm all over the place, I'm doing too much, I'm not giving my best, then you can just start to day by day, not tomorrow, not next week, but today, what's one small thing I can do that brings a little more satisfaction, a little more balance into this area? And then I shift to the family. What is one thing I can do? So I literally sometimes will set a timer and say, I'm going to talk to my children for five minutes. I haven't connected with them and it's just five minutes. That's all I can do today. Tomorrow, maybe it's 10, maybe it's zero. Um, I don't know, but whatever it is that you can do today is really helpful. Um, so I'll just end with this. So it's not, it's balancing the time in different areas, but it's also balancing your interpretation and how you treat yourself. So being kind, <laughs> you have yeah. to be, you have to also balance how, how you, your relationship with you and how you <laughs> feel about your life is, is really important. Yeah. And I really like that you focus on, you know, just like one thing at a time and one day at a time. Cause I think sometimes when you think about work life balance, you're thinking about like, you know, weeks or months at a time, but it really is like day by day, it might look different. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, and so as we kind of like wrap up, Talia, is there anything you want to leave with leaders as they're navigating this virtual workplace? Absolutely. I mean, I think that what we're seeing during this pandemic is that people matter, <laughs> um, connections matter. And although we have very specific business objectives that we need to meet, we have very important missions that we need to achieve, um, we have to take care of people. And guess what? Every leader is one of those people. I tell employees and leaders all the time, you too, take care of you as well. Um, and so are you prepared to lead? That means do you have enough rest? Are you balanced enough so that you can be a guide and a model for employees of how they can manage their time, of how they can balance their life? And so what a wonderful opportunity for leaders to create a legacy, not just a legacy of results in their organization, but a legacy of what you can still in other people. Um, you know, as they say, when you go to another organization, they're not going to remember your deadlines, but they will remember how you made them feel and what you instilled in them. And so take this opportunity to build a legacy and drive results. It's not an either or building a legacy and driving results. So I'll, I'll leave you with that. Awesome. I think that's a wonderful message and note to it kind of end on. Michelle, what about you? What are some of your final thoughts? Um, what a great session today, Talia. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. You know, I do, I think we have to think about boundaries quite a bit differently than we have in the past as it aligns with wellness, especially since so many people are working completely from home. Um, so we do have to create those boundaries with our kids. We have to create boundaries within the workplace and we do have to take care of ourselves so that we are being the best mom, the best dad, the best partner, the best friend, the best parent, the best, you know, leader, um, colleague, all of those different aspects. And it does shift. Um, 
and being able to flex. Uh, and, and, you know, as we talked about in the beginning, being more flexible with that um, is going to give and giving ourselves mercy. I think Talia, you use the word kindness, um, being kind to ourselves as well is going to be really important. So thank you, Talia, so much for being with us today. And Ariel, always you have great insight, great, you know, really meaningful questions that you ask that stimulate um, worthwhile conversations. Yeah, thank you both. This was wonderful and I think very insightful. I think people will get a lot out of this. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to hear your feedback and your takeaways. You can email us at podcast at msbcoach.com or connect with us on social media at msbcoach. We hope you learned something to help center yourself personally and professionally, and please share this podcast with anyone looking to find more balance.